created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Benstock. Everyone has an opportunity to ask questions for me or my guests by requesting a hop on stage or sending a message in the chat box. I will try to get to you, but... I do ask that everyone be respectful. Today's guest is Susie Wheeler. Susie is in a 12-step program of recovery and says that her recovery is always her top priority. She recently opened an online retail shop called Totally Susie, and she is also a survivor of suicide loss. But before I welcome Susie, I want to mention that if you or someone you know is struggling of thoughts of suicide, please call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988. So now let's go ahead and welcome Susie. Susie, thank you so much for joining me today. Sorry about that, uh, Susie. Did I get you um, on there? <laughs> I think so. I that think was my fault. Like, oh no, worries. I was like, okay, this is my first time. I trust Lorley. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not like you know brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fault. I forgot. I forgot to bring you up on stage. But thank you. Welcome. Oh, cool. Yeah, my pleasure. I was. I'm so excited to talk, chat with you. Well, I do want to get into your story. You have dealt with significant trauma, um, including losing a partner. I believe it was back in 2017. Is that correct? It was June 5th, 2017. Yeah. Uh, Would you be willing to talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt was, um, Matt was also in recovery and he had been sober a long, long time. Like in January, this coming January, I will have been sober 12 years. So. Oh, well, so, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a, just a, the best life I could imagine. Um, even when it's, you know, really challenging, it's still mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and, and Matt was, to the day he died, Matt was two weeks shy of his 30 year sobriety date. Wow. 30 years, yeah. And so, um, you know, that we we had started to, uh, we had been friends a really, really long time. Uh, we were from, um, you know, a small ish city. You know, I wouldn't call Lexington a real small town. We're getting close to, I think, 600,000. So we're not like, you know, teeny weeny, but it is a small, you know, a lot of people know each other. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people knew Matt because he had done so much amazing work in the field of recovery. He ran the men's hope center and was just really a, a really kind of a, a super advocate for getting clean, you know, and, and Matt had been a, he had a wild story too. He got a master's degree in social work while being a heroin addict, while in active addiction. Mm. And I know, and that always, you know, like made me like, I, it was almost like 
you know, really, if I hadn't have known him, I was just like, are you a serious man? Because I was, yeah. I'm one of those people. <laughs> when I was in active alcoholism, I could literally barely dress myself. Like there was no, I was a, I had a failure to launch, you know? And so he, mm. and, but that's not everybody's story. But so Matt and I began to date and he was having some issues in his professional life uh, that were really causing him um, shame, you know, a lot of shame. Matt was very, um, addicts and alcoholics, we can be really prone to big shot-ism. You know, Mm -hmm. we love status because we've done so many, you know, kind of smarmy, sleazy things that if we can get, if we can get to the point where it's like, no, I'm a good person. But he had, he had had some issues in his, in his professional life that were causing him to lose his social work license. And, um, and that for him translate now he, and he already suffered with depression, but that in his mind, that particular thing um it 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 translated as unthinkable you know unthinkable to him and that morning uh i left the house we were living together at the time i left the house at 8 30 and and it seemed like one of those regular days and i told him i said hey i'll be home by lunch and i'll make sure i pick you fix you lunch um and because he had already been suspended from his job with pay he had been suspended with pay at up to this point, and we were starting to find out the legalities and what was actually going to happen, you know. Uh, but while I was gone that morning, he got the call that he was going to actually be um, let go. Uh, let go, and there was going to be no more pay. Now they were going to be willing to work with him, but he, I think, he just in I I don't know. See, this is and this is all third party stuff. Once once this morning, you know, once that morning goes on, I never spoke to him again. Um, and, um, and I began to text him cause I wanted to know if, if he needed me to bring home anything, I began to text him at exactly 1219 and, and Matt never, I mean, he literally always texts me right back. So I, I wasn't alarmed or anything. I thought, oh, he, maybe he's outside mowing or with the dogs or something. Um, but then I just decided to go on home. And, and when I got in the house, I, um, I noticed that the bar, we had a bar, and I noticed that it was cleaned off. And because... There was a bunch of there was a bunch of stuff piled up, but I noticed it was cleaned off, and there were three piles of things there. And the first pile of things said, "My last will and testament." Mm. And at that point, I couldn't. It's almost like I couldn't. I I, I just couldn't uh, process. Mm. And I ran around the corner and ran to the. Um, ran down the stairs and um, I got so far as to see his um, like torso down. I did not, I, I couldn't go to see his, the top of him. Um, and then I ran upstairs, ran outside, ran into my car. At this point, I really wasn't, 
operating on sanity. Mm. I ran out to my car, got in the car, drove about, it wasn't a mile from the house. And I don't, I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. You disassociated. I I disassociated. You're right. Mm -hmm. I didn't exactly know. I, I wasn't saying, oh, in this situation, this is what you do. Um, I, um, I ran, I stopped the car and I called 911. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that started that, um, things began to happen quickly. Um, and that was really tough too, Lorelei, you know, because here's what made that so, um, uh, it was traumatic. It was traumatic anyway, but see, mm-hmm. Matt and I weren't married and I was never, I wasn't allowed in the house. I didn't have any rights. Mm. You know, I didn't have any rights and my things were, that was my home. We weren't married. I was not on the deed to that house. Um, the, the coroner was really um, kind of horrible to me. Ugh. And immediately was just like, you know, took an air of, well, you're just some girl. Um, so then it it just... You know, yeah, I, I dissociated for really most of the day. I couldn't, um, um, I, I wasn't processing very well at all. I sat outside in the yard in the chair for most all the day. My parents came and um, and then, um, you know, then what happened happened after that. We uh, Matt had left me most of his belongings, and that was a holographic will. As a matter of fact, that's what was laying there on the bar. Um, mm. And two years, I did end up getting um, getting what he most of what he had left me. Um, but the, going through that, it was really uh, it was really tough. It was yeah, it, you know, because I was I was not allowed to go through his things. I wasn't allowed to properly kind of um, say goodbye to him and our life. You know, I just was completely ripped out of there. Uh, my stuff ended up they just. Um, started like kind of putting a few of our things on the curb that they thought his family started going through. Um, and I, you know, I, um, trust me, I'm not some like, you know, compassionate saint at any time, at any time in my life. But uh, the thing that I kept remembering is that that's his, I'm a mom to a son. That's her only son. See, I can fall in love again and have. Mm-hmm. I can have other uh, people in my life like that. She can never replace her son. So, you know, I I just had to dig deep and not go nutso because that's, I could not, I didn't have to, I can't take a drink over that. You know, I couldn't, I didn't have to drink over that. You know, that's how they teach us in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I did not have to drink over that. I thought I worked the steps through that. Um, Sure, I was angry. Sure, I was hurt. Sure, I had thoughts of, oh, my God, what is, you know, I 
yeah, I mean, I had normal thoughts. I wanted to beat the hell out of somebody, you know, but, but I, I had a bigger, I had bigger consequences than losing my stuff because if I lose somebody, I'm in big, big, big trouble. I'll talk about trauma, you know? Right. Just trauma on top of other trauma on top of uh, more in the, trauma. Yep. In the rooms we call it, when we start getting sober, we call it incomprehensible demoralization. Mm. Because to get high, you'll do some pretty, some things that are totally divorced from who you really would be in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so you, that you, was. You talked about him, you know, being able to get his degree while he was, you know, an addict. And so I guess mm-hmm. you know, they would call them that, I guess, high functioning addicts or high functioning alcoholics. Um, and I think that is the hardest sign because, oh, they're able to do this and such. There's no way they'll take their lives, right? I, but I feel like it's yeah. the complete opposite, right? They, These people are trying to make up for so much other stuff, but there are times where the things that they're doing to make up for whatever they feel is their inadequacies – um, yes. you know, it just, it's, it's just putting that face on it. So no one can see everything else that they feel that other people are seeing. Um, so that, that's, that's really hard. And I think, you know, uh, there's been so many quotes, like if, you know, check on all your friends, even your high, you know, even the ones who seem they're like, they're really happy, you know? Yeah. yeah and I, 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 I know that, that, that must've been so hard because, well, and once, once after, after Matt was gone, then I began to, it was, oh, this was a while at, I began to network with other women who had lost people mm. to suicide. And there were, there were a, a few, um, constant threads, you know, a through a few common, um, things that happened to them that happened to me as well. Um, when a, when a male partner, dies of suicide, the family typically tries to alienate the woman. Oh, is that right? Yes. It's it. Yeah. every woman. And I talked to literally hundreds. I sat in, you know, support groups. I talked online. I became groups and every single, there was not one that said, Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. My mother, no, she, Oh no. She tried to intervene with my children. Now when it's the different way, when the wife, when a, a, a female partner, the family tries to envelop the male partner, usually in an effort to kind of get control, you know, usually in an effort and they don't, it's not that anybody means to be sinister. It's just, it's a lot of traumatic conditioning. You know, you got to get rid of that woman. She's going to move. You never know what could happen, you know, but the man, they try to bring him into the fold because what if he gets another wife? See, what if we can't see our grandkids? What if we don't, what if things aren't the same? Interesting. Uh, it was re yes, it was very, very interesting. And, um, then, you know, another, um, uh, sorry that went, it went, right out of my um 
thoughts, uh, Lorley. I am no seriously ADHD, and then that thought just <laughs> trailed right off. So oh, what, that it happens to me all to the me. time. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, uh, but that was, and that was a really like, whoa. Um, it, and it, so I. Susie? Uh, that was in a way comforting because I, it, it's just kind of a conditioned response through, it shows the years of family conditioning that we all kind of go through. Mm-hmm. You know, that it really brings to light that, oh yeah, everybody's got some sort of trauma. Um, so, so were they alienating you, Susie, his family? Immediately. Oh, wow. How did that make uh, you feel? How did you process oh, that? I couldn't. I, I mean, I, I arranged his celebration of life, and I wasn't even allowed to go back to our house after the celebration. I wasn't. Um, I, I, it was, it was the most bizarre thing. I, it made me feel, um, it made me question if it felt like gaslighting, like, Oh my God, am I, was it Mm. me? Was it me? Am I doing, what am I doing? Um, did I, did I cause this? Um, did I exacerbate this? Um, Oh, I remember now, Lori Lee, the other, um, the other common thread is that right before they complete suicide, they seem to be doing really great. Matt was the same way. He seemed to be doing really great. Um, he had gotten another little, like, like little part-time job, just, you know, that was just very whimsical that he didn't have to put a lot of thought. He's like, oh, this is fun. There are a lot of other things I can do. Um, Matt and I are both kind of homebodies, and he had started saying, you know what? Let's just go out. You know, we're in recovery. We could go see bands or we could do anything. And he never, ever said anything like that. He was intensely frugal. So any money spending was very like, he's like, oh, how much is that going to cost? It didn't matter what it was. But so he Mm -hmm. had seemed to be, have this lightness to him. And they say that once they know that they're, they've decided to leave, they feel easier. They're like, yeah, they feel. Right. Because there are That's no the, consequences. Yeah, feel like that there are no consequences if they whatever they decide to do. Yeah. So mm. they, that's the kind of you know study in the psychology of it. Um, so that, but yeah, it made me feel. I just it it made me question like, is is this maybe they're right? Yeah, his family. I, yeah, maybe, you know, that's what, yeah, when you said, how'd that make you feel? That's what it made me feel like. Maybe they're, maybe they're right. Maybe it's, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm part, maybe I was part of the problem. Well, it's been almost five years now. How do you feel now? Do you still feel that way? No. Oh my goodness. No, absolutely not. That's not funny. at all. No, nope. I have healed. Uh, now I can still, um, I can still get tears when I talk about it. Um, you know, I, um, 
I can't really, I can't watch, um, you know, like the movie with the Lady Gaga and, you know, the A Star is Born. I watched um, right up to the end of it. And when I saw him, you know, if anybody hasn't seen it, well, it's, you know, it's an age old story. Uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. But when, <laughs> he grabbed, when he grabbed that belt, I was like, oh, oh gosh. Oh, I got to, oh, no, 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 turn that off. Turn uh-huh. it off. Yeah, turn that off. I can't. And I, even that look on his face, it felt like it gave me some insight. You know, it's like that look on his face, like, just that just complete and utter despair but anger too in that movie mm-hmm. you know it's just like look what y'all done to me you know it just felt so i was just like oh my gosh um you know and that's those are questions that i've had through the years is i wonder if he was crying or i wonder if he was stoic i wonder if he um I wonder if he felt peaceful. I wonder if it hurt, mm. you know, um, those are the things that you, th- I want, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I interviewed, uh, he is the author of don't fucking kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he, Jeff Romig, he, it, he was referring to his father, his father, um, had committed suicide when he was um, a young boy. And he said that those questions are what haunted him for yeah. so much of his life. Is What were his, his thoughts right before? Right before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Matt went to, he, that's, this is what's so wild. He went to a meeting at the 10 a.m. meeting. Did you talk to anyone from that meeting? I did. Yeah. Did they have it's, any sense? It's not. T- it's yeah. ex- same same exact thing. Went in yeah. late, shared, left early. Same exact same map. Did the exact same what he did. Chewed on it. Was chewing on a straw. Um, you know it. That was so special though. I went to his home group meeting on the day of his thirty year birthday, and they gave me his thirty year chip. That was so special to me. I have it still. Wow. Yeah. It. it and, and this is. And this is why emphasis. Just check on your friends. Check on your friends. Yeah. who Seem like they're doing really well right now, especially if you know that they've struggled in the past. Is because you can't really know. They will put on a face, mm-hmm. like you said. It'll seem like they're doing so much better, but that's because they're not realizing what consequences lie after these great decisions that they they want or you know choices that they want to make um and 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 that's that's what's really sad about it um and and and, and, you know you want to say oh are there signs but like like you said like there could be signs throughout you know their life um but you just it's really hard to really know when when you know they make that decision you know i and and you know i think about when you know i myself am, i'm i have made many attempts to take my life um luckily in 2020 i went into treatment um and i haven't since which has been great yeah. but um, oh wow i did not know that yeah i am i i it was you know i've made attempts on my life as early as 13 and 
Um, I, I'm a childhood sexual abuse survivor, so that was, mm -hmm. you know, that was really hard. Um, and then 16 and on and on, I, when I turned 25, I actually got into, um, I, 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 try, I attempted to take my own life and was taken to a, um, the psychiatric ward of a hospital um, through by ambulance. Um, yeah. And that was really difficult because I had to stay there for a while. But, you know, like I said, back then, they didn't know what PTSD was. They didn't, I never talked about being a sexual abuse survivor. I didn't even think it was a thing. Um, right. And they diagnosed me bipolar and put me on lithium. And so I was on lithium for 10 years. And then, you know, at 35, I actually, you know, I made another attempt on my life and obviously it didn't work. But then I kind of just gave in. I was ready to give up. Told my husband that I, what happened, I'm a childhood sexual abuse survivor. You know, it was actually my father, um, my biological father, which is like kind of mind blowing. And that makes it really even more difficult yeah. to say out loud. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I went and my husband like said, we're going to work through this, go into treatment. And I went to treatment for 31 days and, you know. Wow. It was it was life changing. It was it, oh. it's like when you realize what the problem is because my whole life I didn't think that it had anything to do about the abuse when when I had textbook symptoms I just assumed that PTSD was just something soldiers um kind of dealt with. Yeah. Um so when they said this is PTSD and here is how you heal holistic ways of healing and all these it was it, it changed my life. Um mm -hmm. and I can't imagine going back to the place I was in before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but but still, you know, just just check on everyone you can. I've had a lot of people in my life um take their own lives as well. Um, some, many of them were veterans, many of them were depressed. Um, it was really sad. I went, I actually went to my 20 year high school reunion, um, this weekend, this past weekend. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it was really sad to see all the people who lost their lives and a lot of them lost their lives to suicide. Um, oh, yes. so that was really, really difficult. And I think one of the great things of just kind of being there and checking in and, you know, kind of telling everyone what I'm doing now with the podcast and all the stuff with, um, um, you know, being a trauma survivor, they, a lot of them opened up and, you know, I, I'm, I want, I'm checking in on them, you know, friends are telling me about other friends who didn't show up to the reunion because they're dealing with addiction because of whatever they're dealing with you know it it just made it more it made it more important for me to reach out to these people who i haven't spoken to in the last 20 years yeah so, yeah oh, it, it totally does you know because in um i had a a, a sexual assault in the eighth grade, but there's something, and it was, it, you know, it, it, it caused me great shame. Uh, it, you know, I, I changed in, in that moment. I, mm -hmm. I remember processing that, like thinking, um, okay, something, it's like, almost like if I'm, 
if I'm going to get attention, I'm going to get it, what it, you know, I'm going to be in control of it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but so I have often thought that my brain is protecting me from something that happened long ago that I can't, uh, because there's too many, um, I still have, um, even after this long in recovery and doing some therapy, I, I still have this gnawing feeling that somehow now I can process it without a total meltdown now, but it's still there. Um, I feel like I am just somehow in constant trouble. Mm. I have a lot of anxiety about that. Like, oh, goodness, if I have accountability to somebody and I do a little bit of social media management for people. And um, if if, say, I get really busy, instead of just kind of writing it down and just being like, hey, you know what? I'm this is when this is going to get done. I get completely twisted about it. Like mm. to the point of having a headache and I'll notice my fists are clenched. Um, and it's like, oh my goodness, that I don't think anybody's going to kill you over a, um, a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. But I do, I have, I have irrational reactions to things still to this day. I have irrational uh, nervous system reactions. Right. Now I no longer, you know, I'm wholly changed from the reactionary person that I was when, you know, in active addiction. And then even, you know, first five, six years in recovery, I didn't know how to cope. You know, I didn't have any coping skills. Uh, but, but I still, my nervous system still gets, um, very taxed. Um, it's that constant thought of I'm doing it wrong. This is going to be bad. Mm. Oh my God, this is going to be bad. Uh, this yeah. is going to be awful. I have to, I have to somehow make this better. This, you know, uh, I notice myself wanting to be compelled to lie. Mm. Uh huh. I can yeah. see. I can notice that real clearly. Um, have you so, ever pinpointed where that where that that feeling has come from? No, that's you know that's something that I still I'm you know I'm still looking to. Um, at this point in my life, now I'm ready to do to get back into some sort of therapy because I, I I was in therapy for a solid three years after Matt died, and it was it was helpful. But there is something um, there there's there's something you know that I um, that can't um, that's I'm I don't know where it comes from that feeling. Um, well, it's it's really yeah. interesting that you say this because I, I actually I have a trauma therapist and their focus is internal family systems therapy. Um, have you heard of that? Yes, and I did. Um, I did internal family systems for only about only a couple months. Mm. Uh, but did you have good? Do you like that? I love it. I've been okay. doing it for a couple of years now. And it's been that feeling where you can't pinpoint. It helps you pinpoint where that feeling is coming from. It's yes. almost like... It's almost it's almost like you get these flashbacks of the moment that you started getting those panic attacks. Or not panic... Maybe panic attacks, but um, that feeling of in, 
anxiety and being able to pinpoint that. And then you kind of realize why your body responded that way in that moment. For me, it was, I'm, I have, I'm very angry. I have a lot of anger issues and Mm -hmm. in therapy in IFS therapy, it really helped me when I pinpointed it. And I realized that anger that came out when it was the last time my dad came into my room and I was like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And I lost my shit on him. Like I went so batshit crazy that not only did he leave my room, but he, he left the country. He like left for, for a very long time. And so that angry part of me really thought it did its job and was oh, just yeah. like, I oh. protected you. And so I will never let you feel yes. any The sort. manager. Yes, yes. The, the manager. It was the manager. It was yes. the manager. Oh. And he said, I will never let you feel that way again. And so any type, anytime I get that slight bit feeling of fear, um, they, my anger comes out and I will, yeah. I will lose my shit on anybody for no reason. Well, this was, this was several months ago. Um, I had horrible road rage and I, I was able to pinpoint when that was, it was my, it's my dad's road rage that I would witness. Um, but it's, it was, it, what was so helpful is really understanding that that anger part and letting that angry part of me know, like I am not in that really unsafe environment anymore. Like, yes, you've helped me. But now that 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 fear is gone and, you know, like let the other guys do their part, like let my anxiety just warn me and, you know, just allow it all to kind of let them work in harmony together and not necessarily take control of um, what the situation be, being oh, able that's... to assess this session that what's actually happening. Do, now, that's so interesting because I. Um, I, I love this conversation. Yeah, um, so, I'm glad. Yeah, this is it's wonderful. I hope whoever's listening is really. I hope this is resonating because it's so so great. Because this is, you know, I'm 54 years old, and money is not an easy subject for me. I'm scared to mm. death of it, I, oh, and I'm too. constantly <laughs> craving it. I am. I'm constantly craving it. I'm wanting more of it. Uh, I and I. I don't think this really, but a part of me that is very hurt thinks that if you have it, you should probably feel bad about that and don't tell anybody. That's not mm. right. Don't tell me that because see, I I want. I mean, it's, it's, and there's so much ego in there, but there's so much woundedness in there. Like, I don't Mm want to be happy for you unless I'm winning. I can't do it. I'm just not, I can't do it. And now if it's something like, I don't care to, um, you know, I don't care to have the money to have to, I don't know, skydive or something, you know, I don't care about that. So if people are over skydiving around all over the place, I'm just like, go on. Oh yeah. That looks fun. I'm not never doing that. (laughs) But when, you know, um, yeah, when, when other women, you know, have a lot of means for their children. Oh, I'm I get very, um, um, just 
fearful and scared and jealous and resentful and and I and I want to try to think how am I as good as that you know it's very it's still very very much alive in me um you know so that whole thing uh you know we all rise uh I don't know uh, I mean uh, if if I'm rising everything's cool and if you're rising and I want what you're rising about there's I, I have I can't I have blinders on so that's a lot of a huge amount of trauma. So instead of the anger, what takes over for me is the self-pity. Because I can guarantee you, oh, if I start talking to you about money, um, I'm hoping you'll write me a check. <laughs> I mean, those are just the flat out facts of it. Like the self-pity because it has worked in the past. Self-pity has gotten, you know it's gotten me places that I needed to go. So yeah. I really have to, that's a place that I'm really get ready to work on now because I had worked through a lot of it in, in recovery, but there's something because a lot of self pity, like I don't, I don't have any sort of pity about stealing for drugs. Hey, that's what we do. I, you know, I, that's gone. I know why that happened. I know, um, I know who I am. I've made my amends and I don't feel any kind of way about that. But just that part about finances, um, there's so much, it, it's, there's a woundedness there that I think internal family systems. Yeah. It's the, the self pity wants to be the manager. Mm, yeah. Constantly. You, IFS will definitely work so on that because I'm, yeah. I think IFS will be the perfect mm. therapy for you. Because you know, it's such I, a it, deep subject. Yes. Well, that, you know, I, it's funny because yeah. before the anger, I worked because on my issues with money. that has to do with money. security. Right. I did, I did a lot of work with money. Yeah. I was always, it, for me, it was, I'm not worthy. Yeah. I'm not enough. Therefore, I don't deserve any money. Therefore, I will just do all the work for free, right? That's that's basically like I, you know, I got into journalism. It's a really tough industry to get into, and you know, not if they could pay you no money, they would. Um, and I was always just like, I'm just lucky to be here. So I, I'll take whatever money you're willing to give me, even if it's way less than the next person who is, um, who's being hired for the same oh, position. Now <laughs> tell me that, say that industry again, journalism. I, I was, I was actually a broadcast journalist. Um, journalism. I was a, I was a news reporter, um, and oh, journal anchor. Yeah, journalism, oh, wow, communications, yes. I guess. Yeah. And and you know, in 2006, it didn't pay well. I don't think it I don't know how well yeah. it pays now, but it did not pay well. It was really sad to tell how much tell anyone how much money I made. I lived in low-income housing because I did not make enough money. I didn't have I didn't make a lot of money to eat, so I would buy like a whole pizza and then I'd eat like a pizza every day and that'd be like my food. It was really sad. Um, um, but I never, even though it was time yeah. to negotiate my contract, I was yeah. like, Oh, it's okay. I don't need anything. Like it was, it was because I never felt like I was good enough to ask for what I felt like. Cause I put in the work, I worked really hard, but I thought I, I just wasn't as good as everybody else. Therefore, 
maybe I you don't need to give me the money. And I it was it was really sad. <laughs> and and I still I'm working through that. And, and and I realize it's my dad would hold, you know, it was like money yeah. was like this dangling carrot, like, you know, I'll do I'll take you shopping if you stay home, you know, instead of going out. You know, it was just it was a really, really difficult, you know, relationship with money that I had. And internal family systems therapy actually helped me move, and I'm continuing to move through it. It's 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 yeah, deep wounds, yeah. like you were just saying, very deep wounds. But I do. Mm-hmm. What oh I, yeah, and I'm even now, you know, because of course, when you get somebody with their, can you hear me, Lori Lee? Oh, it dropped just for a, just for a second. Can you hear me now? Okay. Hello. Oh, okay, good. Okay, there you go. Um, I can't hear you now. Yeah. Can you hear me? I could hear you just fine. Okay, great. Um, so you know, I had gotten into. Okay, good. So you know, when I had gotten into the coaching industry, I think, you know, money and trauma is one of those things. And it's so enticing for somebody that has had that money trauma to think, oh my gosh, I can master this law of attraction and this energetic stuff. And Mm. I, it's, that's, you know, that's been very, um, so destructive for me. Um, it, it just been, it's been really, really horrible to, uh, try to do that because that really preys into it or it plays into um first that deep-seated thought of oh i won't do this right anyway and then uh the self-pity is going to get right back in the manager's seat and go oh my god see you're pitiful oh my god you're pitiful go tell them how pitiful you are and then they'll help you um because you're going to suck anyway. And so that whole genre of the, you know, prosperity gospel and stuff, it's like, it it goes deeper than just care about how you feel. It's bigger than, it's bigger than I can't, my my brain is, our brains are so strong Mm -hmm. and you cannot coach me. Nobody's ever been. And I've, trust me, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars, uh, nobody's ever been able to coach me out of it. And I think it could just be a lifetime of really learning to do things differently. Um, Yeah, it put me, um, you know, it was such a horrible, horrible um, experience for me to try to do for anybody who has trauma. And if you, you know, when you it money trauma and you see all the, you know, there's coaches and money mindset and this and this and that, I would walk really, I would tread really lightly on that because um, it's, it's so much deeper for me. It has been so much deeper than, um, than just changing my mindset. Uh, Because first of all, I found that that's, yeah, I mean, I have found that that, you know, has been really Im- impossible in those types of um, 
those types of methods, you know, think differently, write it out, affirmations, vision boards, all that stuff. Um, even subconscious reprogramming, it's, I'm very resistant to that. Um, so anybody, I would, I would really caution um, anybody that has that deep money trauma and those deep uh, issues with neglect and abandonment because it's so enticing it's so i think it's so predatory and i don't think it's meant to be predatory but man that was such a um it it was such talk about a dangling carrot oh man and then they'll come back and tell you that oh well it's your mindset you're doing it wrong and so that just plays right into oh right of course i'm doing it wrong i suck can well, I, yeah, well, I, I think that they're, what they're doing is missing a step, right? They're missing a step of finding the root cause of where those money issues come from. And I, none of none of those books, those financial books, those law of, you know, anything, it, it really, yeah. really comes down to once you figure all of that out, and that could take forever. Um, yeah. But it is, it is definitely worth the work because I – had no clue. I had I had hired a coach when I first started everything and I put a lot of money into it because I knew she was doing like really great work. Well, then she was telling me what I needed to do and I was like I can do that and then I'd get off the phone with her. I'm like I can't do that actually. Like I actually have to work with that with my own therapist. Um yeah. And it's it, and it's easier said than done because there's so much inner work that needs to be done first before even yeah. thinking about the money stuff. It's very, uh, you, you can't just jump from like, I'm just going to change my mindset because like you said, you can't just change your mindset. There's some, there's healing work that needs to be done because I do believe in that in law of attraction, but I really need to deeply believe that I am enough and that I am worthy. And I think that work is the hard work to do. And that's the, that's the one that is a constant struggle for me. And you yes. know, so that's, I think that's, that's where, that's where I am at least. And like trying to get to that, that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's yeah. It, I, um, it is that that deep inner work and you know because i i know that that things can change because i used to look for any i, I would drink when i was happy i would drink when i was sad i would drink when i was agitated i would drink when it was monday any day that it is why i you know and so and now year after year, month after month, day after day, it never occurs to me. So I've had literally a psychic change completely from the inside out. I am no longer the same person. Same thing with cigarettes. Um, I don't, I, and I loved every cigarette I ever smoked. Uh, and I don't, I just, you know, those have been gone for over a decade now too. And, but so I know those things can be um, cleansed from our consciousness. Uh, but I, but it's, you know, just like with, um, Matt, I don't have those, that, you know, those, um, I don't have those, the, that vision anymore. You know, I worked 
you know, I, um, I, I worked, um, a lot on that. Um, oh man. And during that time, oh, my self pity manager really, really had a real field day. Mm. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was really tough. And the, the, the therapist that I did, she was really brilliant during that. So we, uh, we normalized it. She had me do this thing where we would, we would go back and forth and talk about it and say the visual that I'd had until we were both cracking up. Mm. Like laughing. Yeah. Um, and we, I may be crying and laughing, but I just, it's like, that's not happening now. That's not happening now. There's nothing I'm going to do to cause you know, I don't say things that cause that. So it was, it was really kind of brilliant how she moved me through that. And that's great. That, mm-hmm. takes, that takes a lot. That takes a lot to, to heal from something like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, Susie, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, I, you know, I hear, um, I'll tell you this, this one thing that this woman, when I, right after Matt died, she, um, this was so impactful to me, and it is to this day. Um, I was just in a workshop with her, like some sort of, you know, some sort of yoga woo-woo workshop. It was great. Um, mm-hmm. But it had nothing to do with anything like that. But it was people who had had, um, you know, events in their life that had maybe, they didn't use the word trauma, but it was like grief. Maybe it was mm-hmm. grief. And many years before, she had lost a child. And it not that I'm saying loss of any child, but it she, this child was two. You know, so she was, I mean, right in the thick of mothering this baby. And somebody in that, and that had been, I think she said 18 years before, and she has other children. And somebody said, oh, my God, you never get over that. And she just looked right at him and not in a callous way, but in this most beautiful, serene and holy almost way. She said, oh, no, I'm. I'm pretty much over it. I've got three other children and I've got a job and I'm, I'm very, I give back in the world and I, I had to get over it. Not d- deciding to never get over something. I, I couldn't imagine anything more selfish. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. I love you. Yeah. Yes. And just the way she was, and she was so confident when she said it, like, oh no, 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 I'm pretty much over it. And yeah. I was like, right in that moment, I was like, yeah, I got to get over this. I got to, I got to, I, I got to, to, to understand. No, that I know I don't have to. So when I hear people say that, you know, you never get over it. You, you can, you can heal. I'm not, you know, and it's not, not in a callous way. Like it's, um, I, I don't have to hold that every day, all day. I don't have to bear that like a cross. Mm-hmm. You know, I have these, scars wounds in my consciousness but i don't have to pick at them i can i can actually do what it takes and then i can be gentle with myself and i can still cry i could still have grief but 
to live in a way that is that just hurts me on and on is not any fun. So no. if you have something that you feel like you just can't get over, you it's it's I I yeah. There's ways to let it go. There's ways to heal and let go and and start peeling those layers away. Yeah, I love how you said, you know, instead of picking at that wound, because that wound will never heal if you keep picking at it. But if you do continue to let it heal, it just gets thicker and stronger. You know, it's like scar tissue, you know. Yeah, and being gentle with yourself in the process because, Mm -hmm. you know. Wow. Yeah. Well, Susie, thank you so much for joining me. I, I really loved our conversation today. I, I do too. <laughs> thank you. I'm calling my internal family systems person today. I can't wait. Thank I can't you. wait. Keep me posted. Thank you. Well, I will. Yeah. Yeah. That was trauma survivor and founder of Totally Susie, Susie Wheeler. For more info on Susie, you can click on that scrolling fortune cookie right there on the bottom of your or in the middle of your screen and that will send you straight to her website you can also head over to my new and improved website traumasurvivorthriver.com that's traumasurvivorthriver.com also the latest issue of authentic insiders out with the october's issue coming out next thursday and i'm so grateful that Susie contributed to june's issue so to catch up um that edition and read her story just go to my website traumasurvivorthriver.com if you haven't already please subscribe to my email list to get authentic insider magazine in your inbox monthly again if you know someone or you know you are someone yourself who's having thoughts of suicide please call the suicide in crisis lifeline by dialing 988 thank you so much for joining me today catch next week's episode when we speak with lou bryant about healing after decades of trauma you've been listening to a trauma survivor thrivers podcast i'm Lori lee binstock thank you for being a part of the conversation take care Thank you. Thank you. Bye.